0: Welcome to the Climate Finance Podcast. My name is Jonas, and this podcast aims to mainstream climate finance by interviewing high level investors, researchers, and policymakers who have made significant contributions to the climate finance space. Please note that this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered as investment advice. Enjoy the episode. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the climate finance podcast. Today's guest is uh, Lindelwe Leslie Endelovu. Uh, Leslie is the CEO of the African risk capacity. The African risk capacity is a specialized agency of the African Union established to help African governments improve their capacities to better plan, prepare and respond to extreme weather events and natural disasters. Uh, so welcome, Leslie. How's it going in Nairobi?
1: Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening to all the listeners of the podcast it's going very well in nairobi we have uh, another beautiful day
0: Uh, great to have you leslie before the interview i was reading your your cv your linkedin profile and you have a very international career Uh, You've worked in Bermuda, you've studied at Oxford and INSEAD. You, You worked not only with hedge funds, but also in the reinsurance sector and also at global companies at AXA. Could you tell us more about it and how did you end up going abroad and then coming back to Africa and what was the transition like?
1: So over the past 15 years in my career, I've been fortunate enough to work in a number of different countries. I am originally from Zimbabwe, but I left Zimbabwe when I was uh, about 18 years old uh, to study abroad. So I initially uh, studied uh, finance and I worked in the financial sector. And then I went off to business school and I got involved in asset management uh, in Bermuda, where I lived for a number of years After leaving Bermuda, I moved to Singapore because at the time, Asia was supposed to be the next big thing. And I thought it would be really uh, amazing to get experience in the Asian markets. I worked for AXA in Asia for a few years before I then became the chief of staff to the chairman of AXA. And during that time, I was based in Paris. So I lived in Paris for about four years. And then I moved to the UK. To be the CEO of Access Specialty Insurance Business at Lloyds of London. After 20 years of living abroad, I started to think about how I could leverage my knowledge, my experience, and my connections for the benefit of Africa. And that is the point at which I got introduced to the African risk capacity. And I found that what they were doing was extremely interesting and extremely innovative. And had the potential to really make a meaningful impact on the African continent. I then became the CEO of uh, African Risk Capacity, or ARC, as we refer to ourselves as. And uh, I have been back in Africa for about uh, 18 months now. And it's been an amazing experience. It has by far exceeded my expectations. And I'm really, really uh, delighted to wake up every day and work on something. That makes a difference in people's lives.
0: Uh, thank you for the great introduction, uh, Leslie. I'm really excited to have this interview today. Uh, especially as an African, Um, I was really impressed to read that most of the funding that when it comes to the risk pool for African risk capacity uh, comes from the coffers of the national governments. And one interesting statistic that I read was that for every $1 spent through the African risk capacity, $4.4 is saved in post-disaster response costs. So before we delve into the specifics of ARC, could you give us a basic introduction? Like when did it get started and what was the rationale for the African risk capacity? so,
1: uh, the African risk capacity was set up in 2013 as a response to the increasing frequency and severity of natural disasters on the continent. What we aim to do at the African risk capacity is to make African countries better able to plan, prepare, and respond to natural disasters. We have within ARC two institutions we have ARC Agency, which is a development agency. And the role of the ARC agency is to work with the countries on political engagement, meaning that uh, they create the political willingness and the awareness on natural disasters. They work on capacity building, uh, which is increasing the technical skills of the government so that they are able to better understand the risks that they face and then develop appropriate coping mechanisms. The second institution within the ARC group is ARC Insurance Limited or ARC Limited for short, which is the company of which I'm the CEO. And at Arc Limited, we provide risk transfer solutions to the countries because some of the risks that the countries face, be it from drought, be it from floods or tropical cyclones, are well in excess of the country's ability to be able to manage. So they can then take out insurance through us. To have funding available to be able to meet the cost of the natural disasters when they unfortunately do occur. The way Arc Limited works is through a risk pooling. We are able to utilize our expertise to underwrite insurance risks all across Africa. We aggregate them onto our balance sheet, and then we put one placement into the global reinsurance markets. This approach gives the African countries exposure to our expertise as uh, underwriting experts, but also equally as important, it lowers the reinsurance costs when we are able to use our knowledge and our relationships in the global market uh, to place the risks. And at that point, uh, the risks are also very well diversified. So the cost of reinsurance becomes much lower and a country will be able to secure by itself. We are structured as a mutual insurance company, which means that any savings that we generate from the economies of scale, from more competitive reinsurance, are transmitted back to our members through lower premiums. And lower premiums then enable even more countries to be able to afford and access insurance. Then maybe to make one additional important point is that very recently, We have started to become involved in agricultural insurance more broadly. Historically, we had only ever worked with governments, but the need for the insurance that we offer in the countries goes well beyond just the government. And now we're working with the private sector as well, so that we're able to increase the level of insurance penetration in the African countries and close the protection gap which are really essential for increasing resilience of the African countries and local communities in the face of climate change.
0: Uh, one interesting quote that I found on the African Risk Capacity website uh, was a quote by Akinwemi Adesina, the president of the Africa Development Bank, which says that Africa contributes no more than two to three percent of greenhouse gas emissions, but suffers disproportionately from climate change. Uh, now. Climate change accounts for nearly 90% of natural disasters, and uh, ARC has a very interesting product called Extreme Climate Facility. Could you tell us more about it, please?
1: Yes, of course. And maybe I will start by responding to the quote from uh, Adesina. It is true that Africa contributes very little to greenhouse gas emissions, but suffers disproportionately from the effects of climate change because Africa has a very high exposure to the agricultural sector, which is weather dependent. It is estimated that about one third of Africa's GDP is derived from agriculture. And agriculture employs about two thirds of the workforce in Africa. So as you can see, we have high levels of vulnerability to the impact of climate change. And an instrument like ARC is part of the mitigation mechanism coming to your question on the extreme climate facility uh, i would first have to then explain maybe our other products and then how they relate to the climate uh, facility so at arc we use parametric insurance which means that when we pay a claim the claim is paid based on model losses and not actual losses The main advantage of parametric insurance is that it enables a very quick payout of claims. For example, at ARC, we are able to pay claims within 10 business days of an event happening. And this gives the government or the humanitarian actors that have taken out insurance with us the first dollars that they need to be able to respond to a natural disaster. And at the moment, we are able to provide insurance coverage for droughts, for tropical cyclones, and we are finalizing our flood product, which we are going to launch imminently. But then, when you look at insurance, it, it is really an instrument that works after the fact. But however, there is uh, a lot that can be done in terms of adaptation so that African countries are more resilient to climate change. For example, You can move from rain-fed agriculture to irrigation, which again would uh, reduce the impact of the variability of rainfall. You could make your infrastructure more robust so that it's better able to withstand uh, floods. And what we want to achieve with the extreme climate facility is to have, on the one hand, uh, a green bond to finance adaptation measures coupled with a catastrophe bond that would then provide insurance for the more extreme events. And we believe that by combining these two instruments, we are better able as an institution to respond to the needs and to the expectations of our clients, which are the African
0: countries. So, Leslie, you were talking about how ARC can uh, disperse the payouts in about 10 business days. But when I was doing research about the value proposition of ARC, I noticed that sometimes when certain African governments are heavily reliant on humanitarian funding and there is a disaster, they sometimes have to wait very long. And the length of time can be detrimental and can undo the economic gains that the country has procured over the recent years. So you have an interesting product called ARC Replica. Could you please tell us more about it?
1: ARC uh, Replica is a program that allows humanitarian actors such as the World Food Programme and the Stat Network to purchase insurance uh, from ARC. It is called Replica because it replicates the coverage that has been purchased by a a government in terms of the features of the insurance uh, policy. Very often when a natural disaster happens, humanitarian agencies have to scale up their operations in response. The amount of money needed to scale up the response can be modelled back to the severity of the natural disaster, and we have created an insurance product that covers this cost of, of scaling up, specifically for the humanitarian sector, using the insurance parameters that the government of the country already uses. This allows the humanitarian actors to very quickly respond to natural disasters as we are able to pay out claims very quickly. When you take a look uh, back at what the historical method of responding to natural disasters has been, it has been waiting for the disaster to happen, launching an international appeal, and then receiving funds several months after the event has happened. By this point, the situation on the ground would have deteriorated and become immeasurably worse. So people would have had to resort to negative coping mechanisms, such as eating their seed corn they would have used to plant for the next season, taking their children out of school so that they are able to work and uh, help in supporting the family, reducing the food intake that they have, which is detrimental uh, to their health in order to avoid this uh, ineffective mechanism, insurance works much better by providing the funds much quicker. And at Arc, we have a unique value proposition in that we work with the countries to develop a contingency plan, which sets out in detail how the country would respond to a natural disaster, which means that by the time we make the claim payout, the country or the humanitarian actor is already prepared to receive the money, allowing for aid to be delivered more quickly and more effectively. Furthermore, it allows much greater transparency uh, and accountability in the way the funds are are utilised, because the way they are actually used can then be compared back to the contingency plan that the government or the humanitarian actor uh, had in the beginning. So when you put together all the elements that I've just outlined, this really positions ARC as a much better and more effective mechanism to respond to natural disasters. And of course, given the prominent role that is played by humanitarian actors in Africa, it's absolutely vital that we have a product that is relevant to them as well.
0: So you spoke a lot about natural disasters and the negative impact of of this. But over the past uh, 18 months, Or more, Africa has suffered tremendously from COVID, but also it has had Ebola. Now, I know that ARC has the outbreaks and epidemics program, and I'll really be interested to hear more about it and how did ARC ease the situation with regards to COVID?
1: When you look at the natural disasters that affect the African continent, very often we have outbreaks and epidemics which can uh, have a devastating uh, impact think You only have to look back at the outbreaks uh, of uh, Ebola that we have had in the last few years, and outbreaks and epidemics from an insurance standpoint uh, require very urgent action because when again you look at Ebola as a very good example of this. When it breaks out, it usually happens in a very uh, small locale, and if governments are able to move quickly, they will be able to contain the outbreak within the locality in which it has broken out. However, if there are delays, then the disease uh, starts to spread. And of course, the economic damage from the spread of the disease can be quite uh, substantial. Therefore, it is important to have an insurance product that allows governments to be able to very quickly respond to the outbreaks and epidemics. At the moment, Ark is in the final stages of launching an outbreaks and epidemics product. It will be structured as a catastrophe bond that gets triggered when there is an outbreak of four diseases, Lassa fever, Ebola, Muburg virus, and meningitis. Uh, Again, as I've already stated, once the bond is triggered, the payout will be made to the government, allowing a very speedy response. Uh, COVID-19 illustrated to all of us the importance of being prepared to be able to deal with epidemics and also highlighted the devastating impact that uh, outbreaks and epidemics can have on national economies. For us uh, at Arc, we are an institution that is in tune with the needs of our members and therefore uh, again it is important that we are able to create customized products that respond to their needs and outbreaks and epidemics is clearly one of them and a top priority for us
0: thank you leslie so i would like to learn more about the arc uh, capacity building program i know that you have four phases the first phase is the introduction to disaster risk financing and country engagement. The second phase is like the early one in Africa risk view. The third phase is contingency planning. And the fourth is risk transfer. I'd also be interested to learn how, for example, like uh, I saw on the website that the, the Federal Republic of Somalia uh, just signed an MOU with ARC. And I'd like to know what's the country engagement process like?
1: Uh, ARC is a treaty-based organization. So the starting point for a country to engage with ARC is them signing uh, the ARC Establishment uh, Treaty. The ARC Establishment Treaty sets out at a very high level the aspirations and the objectives of African countries to be able to better deal with natural disasters. Then once a country has signed the, the treaty, they then enter into a memorandum of understanding uh, with the ARC agency, which then sets off the capacity building work. And the main objective of the capacity building work is to work with the country so that they are able to understand their risk profile, which is effectively their exposure and vulnerability to natural disasters. Because all across Africa countries have different risk profiles. Some countries are more prone to drought. Some countries are more prone to tropical cyclones. Some countries are more prone to floods and some countries are actually prone to everything. But the government needs to understand what their exposures and vulnerabilities are. We then work with the government to develop a strategy for dealing with these natural disasters. It could involve, in most instances the development of a comprehensive national disaster risk management and financing strategy, which sets out who will be responsible for what in the event of a natural disaster and how the cost of response will be met, whether it's through the national budget, it's through the setting up of a contingency fund, it's through an insurance mechanism, could be through a catastrophic drawdown facility with people like the African Development Bank or the World Bank. And then maybe just to take you through each of the stages of capacity building and just explain to you uh, what it entails in a little bit more detail. So on the introduction to disaster risk financing, we explain to the country all the instruments that are available to the country to allow them to deal with the various natural disasters uh, that they face, because insurance is only one of the instruments but for disasters that have a very high frequency and low severity, those are best handled through a line item in the national uh, budget that provides dedicated uh, funding uh, for this type of disasters. And then for the disasters that have an extremely high uh, severity, but extremely low frequency, an instrument like a catastrophe bond could be appropriate for that and insurance could sit in the middle of these two uh, instruments. And uh, then moving on to the second phase, early warning uh, system. Generally speaking, some of the disasters can be predicted well in advance, especially when it comes to drought, because you know very well in advance that there's been inadequate rainfall, especially during the critical phases of cropping, such as uh, during sowing and germination. If the sowing fails, then there is going to be a drought in that particular country. So at ARC, we then provide through Africa Risk View, which is a proprietary risk management tool that we have at ARC, early warning to the government so that they can start to prepare well in advance, which uh, segues quite nicely to the third phase around contingency planning. And contingency planning is just understanding how many people are going to be impacted and how the government should organize itself to be able to to respond uh, to that. On the risk transfer side, as I mentioned in my opening remarks, government can transfer some of the risks to an insurance company like ourselves at Act Limited, and then we further transfer this risk to the global reinsurance markets. And this risk transfer mechanism is a very good example of the innovation that sits within ARC because we are able to use the public sector of uh, facing part of ARC, which is the ARC agency, to build capacity within the countries and to have political engagement so that there's ownership for the management of risks with also the sophistication of the global insurance industry in designing appropriate instruments that respond specifically to the needs of African countries.
0: So you you spoke a lot about the risk transfer component of the uh, ARC capacity building program. I saw on your website that you've had four to five uh, risk pools, and the first one was Uh, in 2014-2015 with four countries involved, Kenya, Nigeria, Senegal, Mauritania, for the agricultural season, which paid out 26 million to three of those countries. But I also know in the long run that ARC has a 2025 plan for covering up to 150 million Africans. Can you please tell us more about uh, the different uh, risk pools briefly and how will you reach the 2025
1: In fact, since inception, uh, we have had eight risk pools, and we are increasing the number of countries that are participating in the risk uh, pools, you know, when you look at the initial pool that we had and the pool that we are currently underwriting. And for us, growth is not for growth's sake, but behind all the numbers that we post, there are millions of people that are benefiting from insurance coverage. Since inception, we have collected uh, over $100 million in insurance premiums. We have paid out uh, $65 million in claims. And cumulatively, we have provided insurance coverage to 72 million people, which translates to over $700 million of cumulative insurance uh, coverage. So in the eight years that we have been underwriting, we are really, really pleased with the impact that we have made uh, so far. In terms of our long-term aspirations, we would like to significantly increase the number of Africans that have insurance coverage, because as I have already mentioned, insurance is a very quick response mechanism allowing a relief to get to Africans as quickly as possible. The way we are going to achieve This level of coverage is firstly through increasing the number of products that we have uh, available. I've already mentioned outbreaks and epidemics, what we are doing on flood, what we are doing on the extreme climate facility, in addition to the coverages that we already provide at the moment. Uh, Secondly, we are looking to increase the number of countries that are within the ARC treaty network. Currently, we have 35 countries out of the 54 countries in in Africa, and recently we had Somalia join us as one of the new uh, countries, and we are constantly looking for opportunities to sign up even more countries. The third element that I would like to mention is around uh, this move towards uh, what we call non-sovereign insurance, which means providing insurance to the other people and actors that need it within the country to complement the coverage that we already provide at the level of the government. And we believe that with all these elements that I've mentioned, we will be able to reach more people, which will make ARC more relevant to the needs and expectations of Africans. It will make us have a much greater impact within the risk management and risk financing ecosystem within Africa. Uh, secondly, it will allow us to have a risk pool that is more uh, diversified. And as you well know, diversification and scale are the bedrock of insurance. The more diversified we are, the lower our cost of capital and our cost of reinsurance are going to be, which means that insurance premiums are going to be lower for the African countries, which will encourage even more people to uh, take out insurance and put us into this virtuous uh, cycle of increasing participation and increasing coverage
0: uh, thank you leslie uh, so one big hero of mine and also a big supporter of arc and a big advocate for uh, gender equality in africa is uh, ngozi okonjo iwelea who is currently the head of the world trade organization now i know that ARC uh, recently released a gender Uh, strategy, especially uh, regarding how it relates to disaster risk management. Could you touch on that briefly, please?
1: Dr. Ngozi was, in fact, the inaugural chairperson of ARC, and she was instrumental in uh, helping us get established and set up. So this is the opportune moment to really thank her for her amazing contribution, as well as her leadership. Personally, I had the great pleasure of working with her before she moved on to bigger and better things at the uh, WTO. For us at Arc, gender is a key component of our overall strategy, because when we look at the landscape, uh, natural disasters uh, disproportionately affect women. So therefore, in the way that uh, we respond, we need to be very well aware uh, of this fact And when we design our response and our interventions uh, in the markets, we need to apply a gender lens uh, to it so that women are not left behind uh, in the disaster risk financing uh, space. And uh, based on the data that we have and the experience that we we have had, it's quite easy to see uh, impacts that we have on women and and also on youth. Maybe just to illustrate this with a few examples, just to make it really concrete. In 2019, we paid a claim to the government of Senegal and part of the insurance claim was used to support uh, women that were breastfeeding uh, to ensure that uh, their children continue to be in good health. And we also had a specific program that was targeting supplementary feeding for children under five and this is all built into the contingency plan of the country and is built into the response me- mechanism so that it becomes really a core part of our operations and is not something that we are trying to retrofit into a system that already exists.
0: Uh, that's impressive, Leslie. Uh, so we're reaching the near end of the interview. I'm I'm very impressed with ARC, especially uh, since there's an immense focus on uh, climate resilience and you're able to combine climate adaptation and climate risk insurance together now many of our listeners do work in the private sector some of them at major institutional investors some of them uh, would like to uh, do a startup so uh, for example you mentioned different products like parametric insurance cat- catastrophe link bonds and also uh, green bonds regarding climate adaptation so what would be your advice to a major investor that wants to get to that space in Africa. And also if you were a startup, for example, you're an advisor and non-executive director to a startup called Pula, which uh, provides insurance to over uh, 5 million Africans. How, how can they leverage uh, basic technologies to provide uh, more insurance uh, to uh, the African population?
1: Cl- climate change is one of the major risks that our generation faces. Therefore, if you want to have an impact or you want to lend a hand to solving some of the greatest challenges that we face, then uh, you should be working in the climate space. For institutional uh, investors, building resilience uh, should be an explicit uh, objective, and we already see big moves towards this through uh, the various ESG measures that are coming up through the United Nations Principles for Responsible Investment. And specifically on the insurance side, we see a similar thing with the UN Principles for Sustainable Insurance. If you are a startup, uh, the very good news is that in Africa, it is still uh, a blue ocean because the need is great. And uh, there is room for many actors to come in uh, to help Shape what the solution uh, looks like. Maybe to use PULA as a very good example of this. Uh, PULA is an uh, insurer tech which uh, provides uh, agricultural insurance. Uh, PULA is involved in various uh, aspects along the value chain, such as design of insurance products, because there is a vast universe of uh, indices that could be used for parametric insurance. But somebody needs to do the work of making these indices relevant to the needs of small to medium scale farmers. Uh, Pula also does customer engagement and education campaigns so that farmers out in the field are more aware of the value and the importance of having insurance. Pula also does the sign up of customers, the placement of insurance risks in the global markets so they are indeed a key player uh, in the market when you look at uh, in company like arc limited we have quite a large balance sheet because we have 100 million dollars of capital we are highly rated at triple b plus which is investment grade we don't have uh, offices in every country that can handle uh, insurance with farmers on a one to one basis so we rely on actors like pula to be able to do the aggregation for us, which makes us more efficient in the way we deploy our balance sheet and we take on agriculture related risk. Again, coming to institutional investors, they could have a big role to play in terms of making their capital available to endeavors uh, like ARC. Uh, at the moment, ARC Limited uh, is fundraising to increase our balance sheet size so that we're able to carry more risks. And again, I would be happy to have further conversations with anyone that is interested. Thank you. Thank you,
0: Leslie, for the great interview. I learned so much and I'm sure the listeners will. And good luck to you and your team at Park and Keep doing the great work. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Climate Finance Podcast. For future episodes, please join our mailing list on www.climatefinance.xyz I repeat www.climatefinance.xyz See you at the next episode.